Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back, Chase Thomas podcast. Late on a Monday, where I'm joined by SI's Brooks Austin Brooks. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, Chase. How are you? Uh, not too so bad. You're, you're oh, Chase Thomas. Mm-hmm. I'm Brooks Thomas. So nice to meet you, Chase Thomas. Oh, are you? Thomas. That's yeah, your middle I'm, name. I'm a. I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a Brooks Thomas Austin. My uh, my firstborn son is Carter Thomas Austin. Okay. We are a we are a Thomas friendly family for sure. Well, now you're a Thomas friendly podcaster. Like that, yeah. it comes full circle here. I like it. I right don't. I like it. Um. Well, we're gonna talk about some things that I'm not sure you might like, Brooks. Oh, I don't care if we're talking SEC championship, man. I'm, yeah, let's do it. That's what I wanted to hit because now that it's been. Uh, 48 hours since that game, you've had a chance to look at it, to, to just think about, okay, what went right, what did not, what in your estimation went wrong for Georgia and, uh, in the SEC title game against Alabama. So from, I believe it was 13 and a half minutes left in the second quarter, uh, Alabama had a second or excuse me, a third and 22 from Georgia's 33 yard line. And they scored on a Jamison Williams in cut. Uh, he took it 67 yards and scored. The next six possessions consisted of three punts from Georgia and three touchdowns from Alabama. Yeah, you're not winning that football game. You, you, your offense went completely stagnant and your defense gave up more points in a matter of three possessions than they had in, a, in the last three games combined, I believe it was. Um, and both of those things happen simultaneously. You look up and you're you're, you're up in a football game ten nothing. Next thing you know, I believe you're down twenty eight to ten. I mean, before you can even blink. So um, that that's what happens when you play explosive offenses and you go stagnant. What you can't do is have them score three or you know three touchdowns on twelve plays. Meanwhile, at one point, uh, I believe Georgia had a drive that went nine plays, stalled out in the red zone, and they threw an interception. So Alabama's scoring basically once every four plays, and Georgia's taken 11 plays to score and still stalling out in the red zone. They played their worst game of football on the defensive side of the football, and they played about mediocre to slightly below average offensively. That's not a recipe for them to win this year. When you look at the defensive personnel, especially in the secondary, when you think about a potential rematch, if you get through Michigan and the the semifinal, um, and you get an opportunity to get Alabama, in a rematch in the national title mm-hmm. game. Do you have the personnel that's currently on the roster to put them into this position where you can bounce back and you ha- can match up with Jamison Williams and John Mechie and everybody else on the outside? Or is that still just going to be something that the Georgia defense is going to be at the mercy of Jamison Williams and John Mechie and just what Alabama can do there? So I, I don't believe Mechie. I think Mechie is going to be done for the year. So they we're done. We're sure yeah, you're done. They, okay. Yeah, they fear he's torn his ACL. I mean, every every when you hear your head coach um, say they fear it's a drastic non-contact injury, yeah, that's what that means. It's ACL, MCL, one of them. He's he's done. He'll play in the NFL. Um, his his days of play to Alabama are done. So yeah, at that point it becomes about how do you how do you stay in front of Mechie or uh, Williams? Um, and even after Mechie went out, I mean, he didn't play the whole second half. They still put up. Uh, points pretty consistently and pretty effortlessly against a Georgia defense that, like I said, had I think they had allowed 37 points in their previous five games combined, and they gave up 41 on Saturday. That ain't just John Mechie. 
Um, he had 88 yards, I believe it was. It was Jamison Williams that had over a buck 80. So um, th- those things are going to have to get cleaned up. And a lot of it was blown coverages. A lot of it was, you know, one-on-one battles getting beat. Keely Ringo getting beat on a double move. Lewis C not being fast enough to get over the top of him. Um, Lewis C busting a coverage early in the football game and allowing that 67-yard touchdown pass. So I, I think, off, you know, defensively, there, there are some things you have to clean up in the back end in terms of busting coverage. I think Kirby Smart said it best. It's okay if we get beat, you know. If my corner in a one-on-one situation gets dunked on or gets ran by, that, that's just your guy being better than mine. What I can't have is blown coverages. What I can't have is guys running down the middle of the field wide open and, and running for 67 yards and a score afterwards. That's inexcusable. Those things are what I would start with cleaning up. And then after that, I'd get Chris Smith as healthy as possible and see if he can man things down at star. I think that was their original intentions. Uh, they were kind of getting him warmed up throughout the season, getting him some reps there, uh, probably in hopes to play him in the SC championship game at star. But with uh, with the severity of his knee injury and coming back from that, I don't think they felt comfortable playing him in such a coverage role. Isn't that kind of what you guys had to do uh, midway through the second quarter against Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even that long. I think they waited two drives. Yeah. Tennessee scored, kicked mm. the field goal, and then the third drive, Kirby and Dan Lanning were like, hey, uh, I know we tried out Chris at star in practice. Do you just want to see what happens? And he threw him out there, and they didn't score a point until, I believe, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. You don't have to get into the garbage time there. Stuff, we don't have to so. do all that. We don't have to re-litigate re- how, how everything <laughs> happened after that early start. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, you're you're a Tennessee fan, right? Oh, yeah, I'm a Tennessee graduate student. I, I'm a, Lox, a Knoxville local. Yeah, no. Well, I'm, I'm just to let mm. you know, I don't have a dog. I mean, pun intended. I don't have a dog <laughs> in either of the fights. I'm mm. just, you know, my job is to cover Georgia, so. They just happen to be good, and it's just it happens to be a a good team to cover right now. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, when you look at the tape and you look at um, what you saw on Saturday versus what you saw with Georgia for uh, twelve games before that, is your does your gut tell you that this team bounces back? That this is a team that should beat Michigan and should be able to run the gauntlet like that? Because now their their road gets more difficult. Like getting Cincinnati. Like all respect to Cincinnati, but. It, it they would be favored by fourteen plus uh, yeah. against the Bearcats. They're not good. like that's so, not going to be the case the rest of the way for them, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess the fear on tape in terms of the matchup for me, if I were a Georgia fan, would be the fact that I think if if you told me Michigan made this a a ten six game going into the fourth quarter, I would buy it. I would one hundred percent buy it. They can make this thing a rock fight, and if you can make it a rock fight, Clemson showed us this year earlier in the year mm-hmm. you can keep things close with Georgia. You can at least make their butthole pucker for four quarters. <laughs> um, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, throwing for 440 yards and 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 500 total yards of offense and and whatnot, which is the recipe for success over the last two years. Mac Jones shredded Georgia in Tuscaloosa. Kyle Trask shredded him. I think he had 350 yards in the first half uh, through the air against Florida last year in the cocktail party. And then this year, their last three losses, the quarterbacks, I think, have thrown for over 400 yards and gotten after him. But there's also a recipe for success because we know Michigan's not going to be able to do that. There's also a, a recipe for success where Cade McNamara comes out and does what Georgia wants to do I- ideologically. They want to they throw the ball 25 times, rush it 40, and get out with a 28-6 to win. That is Kirby Smart football, and for that matter, it's Jim Harbaugh football. So the the two teams match up stylistically really well. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, X's and O's wise, film study wise, evaluation wise, I'd be worried about Michigan making this thing a 7-8 a, a football game going into the fourth. 
But wouldn't you say that Michigan's still probably a better matchup for Georgia than Ohio State would have been? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah. Basically, what, what based on what we saw Alabama's wide receivers do to yep. Georgia's defensive backfield, um, barring you know some type of catastrophe offensive line wise from Ohio State, yeah, I would, I would fear the the Jackson Smith and Jigbas and the uh, the Wilsons of the world and the Olaves over um, Jamison Williams and and John Mechie, despite how good they are. But I think Bryce Young's twice the player C.J. Stroud is. So oh what's, wow, it's more. I, I do. Okay. I mean, I, I I've seen a lot of people have success in that Ryan Day system. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think C.J. Stroud's a good football player. Don't get me wrong. And he ain't Bryce Young. I think you're going to see it drafted as such too. You know, they came out in the same high school class. Um, both California kids, I believe. And Bryce might be a, no. I think they're the same age. Bryce might be a year older. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, both Cali kids. And yeah, I would I, I would take Bryce Young considerably over C.J. Stroud at this point. Interesting. Um, based on what you saw on Saturday, who had the roughest outing uh, defensively and offensively for Georgia? Who stood that's, out that's, most? That's a tough ask. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I haven't really been able to watch the L22 of the defense yet. Offensively, okay. offensively, I think you throw a pick six and you stall out. You throw a pick six, not only a pick six, but you throw uh, another interception in the red zone. You stall out in the red zone. Um, you just make some poor and careless decisions with the football. I, I think a lot of that blame, and, and I know Kirby Smart's not going to tell you this, but I think a lot of that, I, I don't think Stetson played very well um, yesterday, Saturday, that that man. But um, wide receivers didn't play all that great either. You had two mental bust assignments, one from James Cook and one from Adonai Mitchell, two third downs back-to-back in the middle of that offensive stagnation period. So there you go right there. I mean, there, there's a lot of people to point the finger at offensively and defensively. Defensively, my, my only question is, and, I, and I've heard Kirby say this after the game, I don't understand why this was the time that they wanted to throw a bunch of new coverages at their guys. Hmm. They, they, they've given up less than seven points per game. And I know you weren't playing Alabama all year, but yeah. you had some teams that could put up some points this year. Why go into an SEC championship game and try to reinvent the wheel in five days of practice week? I don't get that. Did he I, answer that? No, I, I don't think he was directly asked. I, yeah. He said he tried some new things, and, and, and there was no follow-up as to – why are you trying new things? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a reasonable question. I think it's a reasonable question as to why, hey, why why all of a sudden are you doing different things and blowing coverages? Because the, the first blown coverage, the 67-yard touchdown pass, which I believe is the sole changing point of that football game, um, was a blown coverage, and it was a new coverage. It was one that they hadn't ran uh, a lot, and it was a new cause when they put that in, in that week, and they flat out blew it. So. Was this game an indictment on Kirby to this point? I I've got a and I don't want to spoil my whole show. I got a show in twenty minutes. I've mm. got tw- I got well. This will be up tomorrow, so this will be yeah. up at the same. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm. I mean, I've got a two page rant on this. Okay. That is, I mean, it's to me, it's stylistically. Look, here's the deal. I've got when you go into a and I can practice my take right here. Appreciate it. Yeah. When you absolutely. go into a season uh, as a Georgia head coach or a, a member of the Georgia program or even a Georgia fan. The number one thing you know, the the one guarantee is that if you're going to win an SEC title or a national title, odds are you're going to have to beat Bama, right? That's that's the known commodity. Well, Georgia goes through their schedule. They go through their SEC schedule like they don't have to play Alabama at the end of the year. And yes. here's what I mean. They, they go through the schedule 
running the ball 47 times a game against Arkansas, throwing it 11 times and winning by 37 points. Well, that's fine. That's all fine and dandy. You do the same thing to Kentucky. You do the same thing to Florida. You do it all up and down your schedule. You beat the brake drums off people running the piss out of the football, playing good defense with a game manager at the quarterback position. I mean, Stetson Bennett is a five foot nine athletic Jake Fromm. He's Jake Fromm light. That's what he is. I mean, it's the same quarterback just in a new setting. And and you play Alabama, right? I've got I got a 14 game sample size, uh, Chase. The 14 games consisting of 11 college football playoff games and three SEC championship games. All uh, 14 of those football games from Alabama, their opponent has had to throw the ball more than 30 times. In fact, in those 14 games, the sport's most pivotal 14 games over the last seven years, opponents are averaging 39.1 pass attempts per game. It is inevitable. History says when you go play Alabama in a game that means something, they're going to make you chunk it 40 times. By the way, the last three times Georgia's played Alabama, they're averaging 40 pass attempts per game. So they've done it to you. But you go all year long, and and you don't do this, right? You don't play this style of football you don't play this style of this brand of of offense you don't play this drive it down the field throw it 40 times a game style of offense you play this game control clock control we're gonna bully ball and run the ball offense for 12 games and then you get into an SEC championship game you get into your fourth or fifth or sixth time playing Alabama in the last seven years and they make you they make you throw it 40 times and you lose and you only put up 24 points, and you stall out in the red zone, and you throw interceptions, and you can't run the football, and you become one-dimensional, and then they start getting after you. It's the same recipe over and over and over again because he's not training it. They, they don't train. They don't practice. They don't believe in, hey, we're going to play fast-place explosive offense because though we can run it 45 times against Kentucky and win by 28, we won't be able to do that crap in December when we have to play Alabama. That, that, to me, is the crux of the issue. You don't have a quarterback right now at Georgia that you think can go out and throw it 40 times. Well, guess what you have to do to beat Bama? You have to go out and throw it 40 times, and you have to be explosive, and you have to score with them, and they're not doing that right now, and they haven't done that. They brought an offensive coordinator in, paid him $2 million to make them an air raid offense. You know what they did, Chase? The first game of his, rank, of his regime back in 2020 against Arkansas on the road, they ran 89 plays. 89 plays, threw it 48 times, and got out of there with a 37-10 to 10 win. But the first half, they looked stagnant. They looked gross. They blew assignments. They were playing way too fast. The next week, he went right back to that old bull crap. He went right back to the run it 45 times, throw it 28 times, and they beat the brake drums off of Auburn. That's great. Now, you don't have an explosive air raid offense. You have air raid. You have taken the air raid out of your offensive coordinator. You have made him what Kirby's offensive coordinators look like. 25 pass attempts, run it 45 times, get into get under center, run power eye, and be tough-nosed football. That's not who Todd Munkin is. Todd Munkin's been calling plays as an offensive coordinator for 15 years in this sport. He has ran it more than he has thrown it three times in his entire career. Two of those three have been the last two years under Kirby Smart at Georgia. That is no coincidence. Sorry, I'm off my rant. No, that was good. I like that. That was something that was just like the whole thing. It's like when you hired Monk and you, that was the, the, the crux of the issue. It's like, is he going to do that? Is he going to adjust? Saban adjusted. Like, Saban adjusted for Kiffin and Saban adjusted for... And guess Sar- who else yeah. did? Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Ed Orgeron adjusted. Ed Orgeron was running 12 personnel truck sweep into the daggum boundary at LSU for three years 
before he called in Joe Brady and said, you know what, Joe, do what you want to do. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to bother you. I'm going to let you recruit who you want. I'm going to let you call plays how you want and, and do whatever you want. And you know what? When they were at, at, when they went 14 minutes, 15, 16 minutes against Northwestern State in 2019 without scoring a single offensive touchdown, do you think LSU and Ed Orgeron got back into 12 personnel and started running truck sweep and running <laughs> the ball 45 times a game? No. Mm-hmm. They rode it out. They took the growing pains. They, they took the lickings. And then by the end of the year, when they needed to be the, the most primed-up version of themselves, well, guess what they were? They torched Alabama. They torched, or excuse me, they torched Alabama. They torched Georgia. They torched Oklahoma. And then they went on to torch Clemson in the SC, or the national championship game because they had trained it. They had never given up on it. And when you go out to Arkansas and you run 89 plays and you do throw it 47 times, and yeah, it doesn't look all that great, but it's your first time in an offseason where you were condensed through coronavirus, and we haven't seen that since. We haven't seen them. They haven't had a single game where they've taken more than 80 snaps offensively. And we're talking about an offense that debuted under Munkin running damn near 90. It sounds to me like this is something... This is so interesting because like Kirby, you can understand where he's coming from on all of this, where it's like if it works and it's comfortable and I there's a lot more control, it's, it's familiar and it works 98% of the time. The other stuff is uncomfortable and he would just get so frustrated of the change and seeing them go through the bumps and the bruises that would come with just fully diving into Todd Monken's scheme. But like you said, you have to do that to get to that point when you are in the, the semifinal, the SEC title game, against teams where the offense just matters too much. It's the same buzzsaw that Notre Dame's run into a little bit, where their defense has been good enough to win a national title the last few years. But I'll put it I'll put it this way. Mm-hmm. Kirby Smart's 8-8 eight eight when forced to throw it 30 or more times. Oh, He's 8-8 eight eight when he's huh. forced to throw it 30 or more times. Do you want to know what the wins are? I see Charleston Southern, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Cincinnati, Arkansas, uh, I see a Vanderbilt in there, a Georgia Tech, an Arkansas State. Apart from Cincy, I see a bunch of mediocre to really, really bad football teams. Do you want to hear the losses? Bama, three times. Matter of fact, check that four times. Bama, four times. Texas, an L. LSU, twice. Uh, USC, that being South Carolina at home in 2019, L. Okay, so the teams that are beating them, in these eight and eight situations, the eight losses come against really, really good football teams or football teams that made you one-dimensional. The wins come from games I think you could line up and run daggum wild dog at them and beat them. I think you beat Charleston Southern with Jordan Davis playing offensive or playing quarterback. Same thing for South Carolina this year. You see what I'm getting at? I mean, the, these games that he's won in this eight and eight record in situations and, and and games and styles of football games that Alabama is forcing him to play, the wins come against really, really bad football teams. The losses come against the good ones that he's got to play in December and January. That is a philosophical problem. That is an issue. That is it, that's so fascinating because that was something I had said a few months back of just that like I don't know if I had to just look at Ohio State and Georgia in a college football playoff matchup. I'm just like I I think I'm going Ohio State just because the likelihood of Georgia being able to keep that offense from just passing a bunch and getting uh, enough points where Georgia's not in a in a situation where they're having to outscore the other team. Like, I think I'm picking Ohio State in a boat race. Like, I, I think that Georgia, like, their style works until it doesn't. Kind of not Iowa. Like, they're not Iowa. But there was something where they were relying so much on their defense and relying so I mean, much. If, 
if you came on this podcast, your mm. podcast, by the way, and said Georgia is Iowa of the Southeast with top three recruiting classes, I don't think that's asinine. That's what I, mean, I uh, yeah. Kirby Smart is Southeastern Kirk Ferentz that can recruit like Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. That's who he is right now. That's who he is until he proves otherwise. Look, I and I'll end it on this because I do have to go. But yeah. K- Kirby Smart's way of playing football, this method of playing football, this defensive-led, always protect defense, up three scores, run the ball type of football, it's won 80%, 85% of his football games. It's good enough to get him and keep him in games and oftentimes win 95% of his football games. But that's not what he's paid $4.5 million or whatever astronomical amount it is. It's going up north of that. It'll be $9, $10 million this year. He don't get paid $10 million to beat Arkansas. He don't get paid $10 million to beat Kentucky. He gets paid $10 million in hopes that he'll beat Alabama. But he don't run his program and run his offense like he's trying to beat Alabama. Not not until the SEC championship game. And then he asks him to do something they're not normally used to doing. That's an issue. Um, And until it's fixed – and, and, you know, they find a quarterback. That's the other thing that I've got in these notes that I'll talk about tonight. Think about the teams that he's constantly lined up against. Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. He recruits and plays against those guys at the end of the year, every single year. In December, it's about those four teams right now over the last seven years of college football for them. Oklahoma quarterbacks over the last five years, they average 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. Alabama's quarterbacks, the same thing. Ohio State's quarterbacks, the same thing. Clemson runs a little little bit more, but their quarterbacks average 3,200 yards and 30 scores per year. Georgia's sitting around 2,700 yards per year by their quarterback and 25 touchdowns. That's not going to cut it. And by the way, all these other programs run the damn ball pretty daggum good too. Najee Harris, first-round draft pick. Ezekiel Elliott, first-round draft pick. Okay, Travis Etienne, first-round draft pick. All these other teams run the ball too. So don't tell me it's about running the ball and establishing physical dominance because they all do it. They all do it. You're the only one that's running 60 snaps a game in games that you win. The rest of us are in modern times with college football, brother. I like it. This was great. Brooks, you brought the heat. I like this. Always do, man. Always do. I appreciate you for having me, Chase. Thank you for making the time. We'll have to do this again soon. No doubt. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.